Welcome to the Breathe Life Podcast. I'm Fahim Mujahid, a Miami-based integrative health and life coach, fitness and nutrition expert, personal trainer, and private yoga and meditation teacher. Each week, we'll explore meaningful content surrounding the importance and impact of living a life of mindfulness or inspiring interviews with the same intention. Together, we'll incorporate a variety of topics given with the same intention to educate, enrich, and inspire one's life. Welcome home. Hey Tribe, hope everyone's well. Uh, obviously, welcome to the podcast. So I'm excited to just kind of just jump into a little bit of what we're gonna discuss today. So to create more of a structure around the time that we share with each other on, on this platform, I wanna start giving you guys an outline prior to the show even beginning. Because you know, you never know what may speak directly to you, or you, or you, you know, you never know if something may resonate. You may want to write it down or take notes about it. And if you know in advance, you can kind of know what to expect. And and I've found in my experience that whenever given that opportunity, people usually respond really well to it. So from now on, we're going to start with just kind of like creating an opportunity for you guys to have an outline of what we're going to talk about. And then after that, we're going to do something that I call the power of words. I think words are so powerful, right? I think a lot of times we spend a lot of our time giving our power away to words and they have, you know, they have like a certain dominion over our lives. But I think it's when we truly unpack a word and what it really, really means and the intention behind it, fear, purpose, dedication, um, um, love, resent, um, I mean, just different, different words that we come across and, and when we, when we, when they're spoken or when we come across them in literature, they just resonate with us. And I think a lot of that has to do with the story that we've come across when we've experienced that word, or it could be a word that was often used in our, in our childhood, whatever the word may be, words are very powerful. You know, if, if, if this isn't your first time, Hearing my podcast, you know that's something that I often talk about. So what I want to do is give an opportunity to be able to unpack one word, uh, a show or an episode. So we're going to start doing that after the outline. So today, what we're going to talk about today is the power of experiences. And I know that's something that we're all wrestling with and it's something that we all deal with in life, right? Experiences. And one thing that you hear often, and I... 100% agree is that the way life is working or life is happening for you has more to do with how you're responding to those experiences and less to do about the actual experiences and I'll take it even one further some people believe and you can put me in that category we have the ability to be able to what our thoughts and what our feelings start rolling out and envisioning the experiences that we want to have, which ultimately lead to the, to, 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 to the response to those experiences that we want to have. So experiences, I even try to get out of the habit of calling bad or good or, you know, making certain judgments like that. You know, there's things that show up in our lives that are undoubtedly challenging for us. And a lot of times they can come from all angles and blindside us in a lot of ways. You know, the loss of a job, the loss of a marriage, the loss of a loved one. I mean, you name it. Just as you feel like you're at a place in your life where things are starting to operate and move smoothly, uh, 
on one level or, uh, or another, you get blindsided by something that shows up for you and it really, really causes a lot of resistance. And a lot of those emotions that come along with negative experiences. So we're gonna unpack that. And we're gonna talk about not only what those negative experiences, quote unquote negative experiences mean to you and your body, but we're gonna talk about the power of perspective and how the, the perspective of those experiences ultimately lead to how you show up and how they show up for you in your life. We're gonna talk about the commonality the commonality between having those experiences and being able to experience those things together and how we do that on a universal on a universal level. How we're all kind of just experiencing these things in this world together. And then we're going to talk about what are some of the things when you have those experiences, when you have those quote unquote negative experiences, where the disaster shows up. And I, you know, I'll, I'll clarify, you know, when I say disaster, I mean, as far as the, the, the residual impact of those experiences, right? They live in us. They live in our body. They live in our expressions to other people. They live in how we show up in other areas of our lives. And I think that's the most disheartening thing about it, right? If these experiences that we were having was something that just remained in the experience that we were having in that moment, then that would be, you know, it would be somewhat discouraging, but at least we would be able to pinpoint the time we had that experience and we would be able to pinpoint the extent and the duration of that experience. But chances are, if you're human, you know, if you get out of bed and you stump your toes as soon as you got out of the bed, that frustration and that irritation leads to you snagging your finger while trying to get your toothbrush out of the drawer or you dropping the books out your bag or out your purse when you're headed to your car trying to rush out the door. Like they roll over into other aspects, into other things and, and essentially lead to different experiences that validate just the shitty day that you're having thus far. So I think the disaster, when I talk about the disaster of these experiences, I'm referring to the accumulation of it. And then I'm going to give you guys a little bit of pointers as far as how, you know, how you can really just kind of show up and be more, be more present in these experiences that are happening for you so that you can start being more in control over how you're showing up for your life and what these experiences mean and, and what you can take from it. All right. So that's kind of that's kind of like the outline of what we're going to talk about. Just so you guys have an idea. I know I went over a lot, but just so you guys have an idea and, and you can kind of jot down what, what resonates and what's, you know, what sticks for you. But the word that I'm going to dedicate to the podcast today is failure. So if you were to look up failure in the dictionary, the first thing that comes up after it being a noun, number one, lack of success. Number two, omission or expected or required action. So the, I'm sorry, the omission of an expected or required action. So the reason why, you know, the reason why failure is such, uh, I think, such a touch point for a lot of people, it's, I think, I think there's varied degrees in how we define success, right? I think you, you would be remiss if we weren't, if we went about not acknowledging how as a society we've been made to believe that success looks a certain way 
consistently for everyone in everyone's life, right? You know, you go through trying to make sure that you require all the materialistic things that are usually representative of what success is. You, you, you go out and for some of us, you, you try to find that perfect partner with whom you guys could portray the illusion or portray the image of a successful marriage. Never mind what really goes on. Never mind the 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 inlings and inwards and, and the layers of the relationship and whether or not it's truly a healthy relationship. Never mind the love and the commitment to communicate, to show up, to be supportive, to be loving. Never mind all of those things and how those things may be looking in that relationship. It's more important that we project the image of a successful marriage in some cases. I'm not saying in all cases. I'm just saying that there are certain boxes that we're all from a very early age, we're all conditioned to believe that by checking, it equates success. And I think the most important thing to do as you evolve, and I think the most important thing to do as you start thinking about what it means to truly show up and truly experience life and be present for all the magic that's that you're expressing and that you're coming across every day, is to understand that a lot of what you've been fed to believe, a lot of it is false and inaccurate, starting with how you define success. You know, I, I know for me, one of the things that was big on my list of what success was, I, you know, my mom bust her ass when she was, when I was younger, to make sure that me and my seven, seven siblings didn't go without anything. You know, she was never one to ever want to be in a position where we were asking anything in any in any kind of like government assistance or anything like that. So she instilled in us uh, a very passionate, um, impassioned, resilient work ethic. You know, and for me growing up and being told understandably what, you know, being limited as far as what experiences I could have or what things I could have given how we were trying to just make things stretch for all of us and to keep the most important priorities in our lives a priority in our lives, right? Not having my father there and a lot of that following, following on my mom and my grandmother. You know, I knew from the very beginning all the images of what I thought success was. I said, you know what, I'm going to work hard and I'm going to acquire those things so that I feel successful, so that I am successful. And it wasn't until I started developing and being blessed by the opportunities that led me to acquire some of those things, some of those images of success that I realized that the the predicate for what I thought success was, was built off of faulty ground. That wasn't truly, that wasn't truly what success felt like for me. Now, I'm just talking to you guys as a friend. I'm not saying that this is your reality. I'm saying that this is my truth. My truth, what I realized, is that my success was more predicated on someone else's opinion of my life rather than it was about me being and feeling successful with and, and by myself. Feeling fulfillment is what I'm realizing now as an, as an older fine. Fulfillment feels a lot like success to me. Freedom feels a lot like success to me. So a lot of the things that were images of what I was fed to believe early on and was success, I'm starting to realize that was most important. What's most important is finding the things that represent success to me now where I'm at in my life. And I think that, I think one of the things that we have to get better at 
and I would hope as a society we get we get better at is making sure that this next generation of ours has a better understanding has a better understanding that in order to live a life of success in order to live a life of abundance it's very important that you find things that really align with you you find things that fulfill you it doesn't matter if you have one car two car three car four cars you know it was a study that was done and i you know and i i i'm always hesitant to share studies unless i can pull to the exact point of the study or the time and in the article and so I'll, I'll have to come back and share that with you guys later but there was a study that said and i'm sure some of you have, have, have probably come across this and and you guys i have to forgive me if i'm misquoting it or misrepresenting it but i think it was something that was said that the they were able to measure measure the degree of happiness in one's life. And what they found is that there were it was a dramatic shift or upshift from having zero income and being homeless to having about forty thousand dollars a month or forty thousand dollars a year. And when they did this same study, they realized that it was only a minuscule, a minor increase in happiness and fulfillment and all that stuff when you took someone going from forty thousand dollars to forty million dollars and what that powerful study showed to the to the to the people that were administering it and again i'll find the exact article because i could be off by a percentage or two but what it indicated is that in reality once we have our certain natural needs met our needs met as a family we have clothing you can eat um, you have shelter you can you have enough income to be able to when you're when you're ill when you're ill you can be treated once you have some of those um, those natural needs that we need as human beings having this human experience then the the the, the increase of fulfillment or joy or happiness when 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 compared solely to income only increases by a small margin and i just thought that was so crazy because i mean i always thought more and more and more and more and more and more and more i want to make it to the league because if i make it to the league i could not just have a modest home i could have seven like dope homes and i wouldn't just have like a really cool like nice little truck or a nice little car or one car although only I mean I'm a human being I can only drive one car at a time no it was more important for me to have like 10 dope ass vehicles always wanting more always yearning for more right which you know again if, if you're if that yearn for more is connected to a true moving authentic place within yourself that's something I'm not speaking to that I'm speaking to this desire to acquire more for the purpose of feeling more fulfilled and more successful so anyway, I thought I thought I thought that was very I thought that was very telling. So, you know, failure is one of the things that I'm trying to reshape and find different ways of communicating and showing what that means to me in my life and using it as an opportunity to find areas of my life where I feel like even if I don't even if I wouldn't quantify those things as being failures, try to find areas in my life where I know I could show up and be better at. So anyway, that's the word for today. So I want to share with you guys a little bit before we dive into the outline. 
it was brought to my attention that on one of my first, uh, it, may, it might have actually been my first podcast, I referenced a story back from my childhood when I had, I was forced out of my house. <laughs> well, I, well, I know, God, that sounds terrible. So I'm a huge mama's boy. I was raised by my mom, my grandmother, my six sisters. And when I was about 12 years old, I was obsessed with football. And I, my favorite football player of all time was Jerry Rice. I heard Jerry Rice in an interview. Someone asked Jerry Rice, Jerry, how do you become the best receiver to ever play the game of football? And his response was simply, I just work out and work hard when no one else is working out and working hard. As a 12-year-old hearing and retaining that information, I assumed that meant that Jerry Rice was working out, you guessed it, when everyone else was asleep. So from 12 years old and onward, what I would do is back in the days, you could record, uh, you know, you would be able to record anything you wanted on TV if you had a VHS and you had a VCR. And it was simple. To, it was an easy way to do it. All you had to do was put tissue on two ends of the VC, uh, the VHS cassette tape, tape the tissue into those slots, and then you could just put it in and just hit record. So I know I'm kind of aging myself out, but for those people who feel me on that, really feel me on that. So one of the things I would always do, because having so many sisters, there were all there was always like a Beauty and the Beast VHS lying around, or Pinocchio, or Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, or I mean, you name it, Ferngully. I mean, there were always these VHS laying around. So what I would do is, I was obsessed over college football at the time. So any games that I really, really, really loved, I would record them on the VHS. I would record them on the VHS and I would play them back. And I would use that as an opportunity to be able to envision myself actually in the game. So here's what I would do. From 12 to 1 o'clock in the morning, I would play whatever VHS I was, I was obsessed with at that moment. The moment that I'm referring back to, at that time, it was a huge battle between the University of Michigan and the University of Ohio State. Charles Woodson was going against David Boston. And I must have watched that game, that highlight. It was Charles Woodson's Heisman Trophy season, I believe. And I must have watched that video probably about no less than probably about 275 times. So anyway, what I would do is after I finished this, after I finished watching the game around two o'clock in the morning, I would walk across to an empty lot, this empty um, lot that had grass on it. It was a bank that, that, that was positioned right across the street from my house because we lived right on the edge of downtown. So at night in the dark or in the morning, it was still dark out. I would just run routes on, against, on air against no one. And I would replay routes from the game and catches from the game and throw the ball up in my in the air and I would catch it. And around after about three o'clock, I would come home and I would always take a juice out of a refrigerator that my mom had. And at the time, we would have those jungle juice, juicy juice canisters where you would puncture it and then you could drink it. And I, I can't remember how many quarts it was. But what started happening is I started accumulating cans in my closet. And one day I was away at school and I guess my mom was doing some cleaning and she went into my room and and these 40 cans came falling out. And when I got home, you know, my mom called me downstairs and she said, you know what, I, I, you know, I want you to go live, live with your father. I no longer trust you because you're stealing from me. And being a mama's boy and being 12 years old, I didn't draw the, this, I didn't draw the connection between being thirsty as a child, going in, taking this. I, yeah, did I think that my mom would kind of frown on the fact that I'm chugging all this juice knowing that I have siblings that also need um, that that was also purchased for yeah, but I didn't necessarily see it. I, I didn't equate it to stealing. 
So when she had said that, when she had talked about how hurt she was by it and how she no longer had trust me as a result of it, I was devastated. Devastated. Me and my father, you know, I didn't have a relationship with my father prior to that. So when she had told me that she wanted me to go over there, I said, okay, fine, I'll go. And when I went over to Seattle, this was still during a time that, you know, people could come pick you up literally right off the tarmac. And I remember walking up to him and from the very beginning, there was friction, very beginning. I mean, you name it. I mean, we, I mean, we were getting fights all the time, all the time. And we got into one as soon as I got there. And one of the things that I did was I ran away and I, and I found the nearest payphone. And I remember calling my mom and telling her, I think at that time we just had gotten into an altercation, my father and I, and she was saying how much of a mistake it was for her to, um, to, to send me out there in the first place. And I remember, and I don't know where I, where I got this inspiration to do this, but I remember telling my mom, she said, oh my God, I'm, you know, I, obviously I feel awful. Stay where you are. I'm going to get this situated. Um, we'll get you on the next flight coming back home. And I remember hanging up to her and saying, you know what, I'm not going to come back home until I can make you proud of me again. And I hung up. Now, being 12 years old, I, you know, again, I could be off by a year or so, but I'm pretty confident I was around 12, 13 maybe. And now the sun is setting and I'm literally on the other side of America. So I'm sitting here trying to figure out, knowing I was pretty good at football, even at even at that early of an age. So I said to myself, if I can jump on this bus and take this bus into the inner city somewhere during the summer, there has to be some team somewhere playing football. And if I could find a team playing football and show that I'm of value to their team, then everything that I've been taught up until this point is that if you can ball, people will find place for you. If you can ball, people will make excuses for you. If you can ball, you'll be safe if for no other reason that there's value associated with how you can help them. And I know it's kind of a, you know, it's, you know, a, a, a dark way to look at life, especially at such an early age. But, you know, it's especially, you know, in the environment from which I was raised, you know, value, a lot of value is attributed to whether or not you can play well. You can run fast, you can jump high. So I, it was very evident to me at an early age that that was gonna be my ticket out. Not only that, but that's where I was gonna find my quote unquote worth in life was gonna be associated to this sport. So as sad as that is, that was my reality at 12 or 13. So I take the bus and I find this school and I get off and I walk up with my luggage. I remember walking up to the coach and I said, my name is Fahim Mujahid, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a five-star wide receiver, or I can't remember the term I used at the time. Um, and whatever, whoever the best player on your team is, not only can I beat them in a 40-yard race, but if you put me against them and throw 10 passes, I'll catch, I'll not only beat them, but I'll catch 12. And if I do that for you, you have to find me a place to stay. And at the time, everyone thought I was just bad crazy, right? So the coach looked at me like I was just literally off my rocker. I mean, who's this kid coming in with luggage? And all his, all his luggage is stamped. It's like it's a different city and state. And he's, I mean, he hasn't even been in Seattle for four hours, let alone a week. And he's already talking about how good he is. So anyway, they signed me up um, and lined me up against this guy named Chris. And Chris had all the traffics of being a stud. I mean, he was twice my size, he was fast. Don't get me wrong, he was fast. Um, but it's uh, but it's amazing how fast you become when you realize what's on the line, right? So I beat him in this 40 yard dash and I do exactly what I said. I catch 12 balls on 10 passes. 
and the coach walks up to me afterwards and you know obviously seeing value he goes Fa, I want you to meet um, Marcus Marcus meet Fa. now I'm changing the name um, in this story because I feel like it <laughs> um, but the gentleman's name started with an M but it wasn't Marcus but for the purpose of this story I go and I stay with Marcus and I get there on the first night and I asked his mom, I said, you know, if you don't mind, just call my mom and let her know I'm okay. So I'm only bringing this story back up because I realized I went on this story on the first episode and I've had people since then come up to me and say, wow, what the fuck? You didn't finish the story. What happened? You were in Seattle and then what happened next? You just kind of left us on a cliffhanger. So let me finish the story. So I move into this guy's house. He has two older brothers who are who are kind and, 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 and welcoming me into their house. So it's him, his two other older brothers who are like, one, one I think is 10 years older, the other one's like eight years older. So they're, they're much older than him and then their mom. And at the time, what I, what, I, was I, what I wasn't aware of is that their family was very, very, very connected to the drug game in, 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 in Seattle. So I'm in this situation never been in a situation before with people who I love and adore and people who authentically love and care about me and just so happened to be that they were amongst the top drug dealers of their time in that area. So, you know, saying even saying it now and, and having this memory, I think, you know, at the time, at the time not having any brothers, only having sisters, at the time, not having a being millions of miles away from anything familiar of family to me, um, feeling the safety and the security that came from being with them all the time and being protected by them all the time. I'll be lying to you if I said as a 13 year old kid that that didn't really feel. I mean, it felt awesome, man. It felt awesome. Not not knowing and having a decent relationship with your father. And then you have these men in your life that not only care about you. But, but do anything they can to protect you. Not really having experiences with male influences in your life where that was something that was consistent to come across these three individuals who, yeah, you know what, they were, they, they had, they were involved in a lot of stuff that I wouldn't condone, but they had a really authentic way of being committed to my growth and my potential. And they really loved and cared for me like I was their brother, man. And it was, you know, it was it was a situation that I would not wish on anyone. But I have to tell you, being in that moment and being and living with them for the years that I lived with them, you know, we had to do some crazy stuff and it wasn't always the best environment. And I'm sure if my mom would have found out what they were doing and at the time, I'm sure she would have had a conniption and she probably would have freaked out. Um, and, and like I said, looking back on it now, I would have probably done things differently, but, but being there and being with them and being surrounded by so much love and support coming from my experiences, it really, really felt great, man. It was a welcome experience. And so I ended up staying with them for a period of time and then it started getting a little too, the expectation of being there and the responsibility of being there and the things that I would have to do to continue to show that I was part of the, the crew or down and stuff, it started to get to the point where it was just being a bit too, it didn't resonate with me any, it no longer resonated with me in the, from a good place, the way I was raised. 
and I was getting older and, I, and you know, I was getting recruited and schools were calling for me and, you know, so I knew that this was, I knew again, football was going to be my way out and I didn't want to find myself in any kind of situation that was going to look poorly on any opportunities that could potentially come into my life. So I eventually, as a story for another day, I eventually found ways to kind of more or less um, find my way out of that environment. So that's a story for another time. So I know it's a bit long-winded, but again, if I told you how many times I get hit up about not finishing that story, you would flip out. So for those of you who wanted to know the inclusion, the conclusion of that, everything worked out well. I was very blessed in that experience. It was a lot of things showed up that I did not expect. Um, but um, but nonetheless, I made it out and was able to um, verbally commit to the University of Washington on a football scholarship, and it felt great to be given that opportunity. So, and that was, and again, that's another story as far as how that happened and what didn't happen and, and where I had to go and how simple the road should have been, but it wasn't, and, and, and prep schools and all that stuff. But nonetheless, I was protected all the way and, 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 and looking back on it now, I realized that there was a lot of things I learned through that experience. So anyway, getting to the outline about negative experiences. So here's the thing about negative experiences. And this is something that comes up a lot in my coaching with clients is that like I had, like I had mentioned at the, at the onset, negative experiences would be one thing in and of themselves. If it was something that was just predicated or, Restricted to the area or to the time in which you were having that experience. But in reality, these negative experiences, these negative experiences spread like toxic chemicals. They steep into every aspect of our lives. You know, financial stress becomes stress in our relationship, which becomes stress in our careers, which becomes stress in our diet, which becomes stress in our to 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 the point where it becomes the the film or the lens in which we experience and see our entire worldly experience. So stress, when 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 understood to its full potential, those negative experiences have the ability to be able to infiltrate every part of our lives. So it's imperative for us to be able to arrive at a place where we're mindful enough to understand that every experience, whether you whether you give it the title of being a bad experience or a good experience, every experience has an opportunity to teach us something that we either don't know about ourselves or something that we need to learn about ourselves. So one of the things that we have to do is start changing our perspective, our perspective, right? So one of the things that I say all the time, just using that term or just using the idea of perspective, Right, that same perspective that you would look at that situation or your outcome, and you say, you know, that's a negative outcome or that's a negative experience, and look at all the ways you've been negatively impacted. It was once said that in America, that if if we were given the task of laying out all our misfortunes in one common heap, once everyone must take an equal portion, most people would content to take their own and depart. I think it was Socrates that said that, said, that said that quote. Let me see if I can look it up. Yeah, Miles, right? So Socrates, his quote, quote, if all our misfortunes were laid in a common heap, once everyone must take an equal portion, most people would be content with taking their own and departing. 
And what that means to me or how that shows up for me in my life is that our problems are pretty insignificant compared to the rest of the world. Facts. Facts. So we can sit here and debate this back and, you know, over and over again. We can say, oh, but fine, you don't know my story. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through right now. Yada, 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 yada. I'm not trying to say that to discourage or to discredit your feelings. But what I am saying is that the perspective that we place on things that show up in our lives has a powerful impact on how they show up in our lives. And it's not as easy and it's not as easy as just saying, okay, you know, starting today, I'm, I'm going to change my perspective. I understand that. It's not as easy as that. But what we first have to do, we first have to at least have enough courage to acknowledge that our perspective on these situations do affect how they show up and affect us in our lives. And if we were to take a, a full account of all the things that are going on around the world, and we were to take that same lens and view that same perspective, we would realize that there's a lot we have in our lives. If we're up and we can listen to this podcast, there's a lot of things we have going on in our life with whom or with what we should be grateful. And I'm not saying that use this great, you know, use the ability to feel grateful against all ends and you're not allowed to at any point feel sad or, or to feel taken advantage of or to be angry or you know, to, to, to take in all those emotions that come with a negative or having what you would quantify as a negative experience. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is we have the ability to be able to create our experience. And the way in which we do that is by really quantifying and really truly understanding the value that we put into our perspective. And it's the same for all of us. You know, it's funny because in the day and age in which we live, you know, everything now is on social media, right? Everything's broadcast on, you know, you, you can't, you can't get away from it, even if you want, even if you wanted to. And, you know, I remember, you know, I'm, I'm constantly, I remember when I first jumped on Instagram and I was taking some, in, in, I was taking some advice from the team at Nike about what it meant to be, a tr you know, um, a coach or, or, or a trainer or something online and how you have to make sure that there's a degree of you that's exposed so that everyone can see, right? It's not enough for you to have all this information in your account to be private. You have to be exposed so that they can get a chance to know the, the real person behind the Instagram handle. And what it, what I'm realized, what I'm, what I'm beginning to realize or what I can't, what I realized a while ago is with Instagram and with social media is that a lot of times, a lot of times we end up seeing everyone else's highlights, the highlight reels of everyone else's lives and we compare it to our reality. And think about that for a second. You know, I had to do a cleansing recently of just all my Instagrams and accounts that I was following. I mean, I was, I was following shit on Instagram I didn't even know. It's like, how did I follow this person or that person? Or why am I, why, why am I following, uh, you know, I don't know. Why am I following uh, a kennel in London? I mean, what is that about? So, you know, I, what I realized is here's, here's, here's a tip that I would give anyone that's trying to find ways to make sure that you keep your perspective connected to reality. Anybody that you come across on social media that for you 
pulls up any sense of um, jealousy, envy, um, self-doubt, unworthiness, unfollow them, please. And I know, and I, and I don't want you to think that, okay, now I'm trying to get you guys to control. Well, life isn't like that. You can't always control those influences. And, and yeah, I, I disagree. You know, I realized that there were certain things that I was following, certain highlights of people that I was following, that if I were to be really honest, I'm thinking like, wow, you know what? I should have that. Oh, wow. Why can't I do that? Or wow, how did he or she do that? Or wow, you know what? I wish I was more along the lines of what that person is experiencing. Oh, wow. You know what? What aspects of their relationship kind of leave me feeling somewhat envious or their career? And what I had to go through is I had to go through and filter out anyone that or any account that that wasn't showing up in my life that made me truly, truly reflect on all the beautiful things that I already have currently going in my life so that I can shift that perspective. And I'm not constantly looking on Instagram and, and constantly looking at all these other social media accounts just to arrive at a place of having my lack, the lack of what I have in my life reconfirmed. So I remember having this conversation with a client of mine who was at a point where he was just feeling really, really depressed and constantly feeling like as if he was under the eight ball all the time. And it was giving him that piece of advice that made a huge difference. It made a huge difference for him in his life. Just by simply deciding not to follow certain people and muting others and really choosing, being selective of the energy that you entertain, the images that you entertain and how they make you feel. Making sure that you're making sure that you're bringing in the things in your life and they're having an influence on your perspective for these experiences, good, bad or indifferent that you're having in the way that makes sense, in the way that aligns with you. So always keep in mind, just as cool as it, just as cool as it is to post a really dope image on the social media platform, I'm one for it. I love it. Nothing gets me more pumped than pushing like a dope ass pic from Instagram of like an alley shot of me doing like, I don't know, like a, a, a sick yoga pose or a box show. But understand that whenever you're following someone, you're seeing someone else's highlights. Some people are really good at being so vulnerable and so open and so authentic that you see more than just their highlights. And I would, I would, you know, I would suggest you seek those people out. You seek your community of people who are real, who are open, who are vulnerable, who are raw. Because those people, whether you know it or not, try following some of those accounts. And what you begin to realize is that your perspective starts to change and goes more inward as opposed to outward. You start realizing that, oh, wow, we all deal with the same bullshit. Oh, we all deal with the same self-doubt, the same fear. We all have those days where we don't want to get out of the bed and we're looking for purpose. We all have those days in our relationship where we wish we where we where we wish for more. Or we all have those moments in our families and the dynamics of our family where we wish we could replace someone or a member of our family for someone else. Right. Follow those people who are truly being authentic and real and how they present themselves and anyone that you follow, that everything always seems to be perfect. Understand and take that into perspective that you're constantly seeing someone you're constantly seeing someone, someone else's highlights. And don't make the mistake of holding those highlights up to your life, because when it comes to you and your life, you're you're a part of it all, not just the highlights. 
So someone else's life or the depiction of someone else's life will always make you look at yours from a place of lack. And you don't want to do that. So get connected to the reality of your life, which is the next point. Connection. Instead of being emotionally soaked in the self-talk, the narrative about your life, get connected to the reality, the reality of the blessings that you have, the opportunities that you have. And the more connected you are to that reality, it would help put things in a more reality-based perspective. And any challenges that you may be coming up against, anything that may come across as being a negative experience, from a place of coming from that reality-based perspective, you'll be able to face life and the problems with a more with a, with a much more positive attitude. When you're living and working from that place of reality, when you're basing your perspective in that reality, you can face the ebbs and flows of life in a place that's authentic and powerful. You're not constantly being misled or blindsided, but you're anchored in truth. So the last point I'll say is, you know, like I said, the disaster, if anything, from these experiences is that when these moments come, when these experiences come in our lives, they rarely stay contained to that experience. And you find that they find their way in other areas of our lives to where we're no longer even level-headed. We're no longer experiencing things at, at, at a place of being level-headed. We're making these negative predispositioned or pre pre opinions about things before we experiencing them. And that's usually as a result of some negative or past experiences that we've had that we haven't really fully met and processed. So we're allowing that to dictate how we see our new life, the life that we have today. We're living our past trauma in the current moment. And that's the truest, that's probably the most, that's probably the saddest thing we could do is, is be in pursuit of a life of abundance and fulfillment and trying to find and seek out moments of joy and peace and happiness. But yet we're holding on to the habits and the experiences of our past that left us in the past of pain, disheartening, anxiety, fear-based thinking. And we keep, we continue to project this forward in our lives where we're not really, we're never really at any point truly living the life that we're living. We're instead replaying these memories and we're replaying a life that we've had from the past as opposed to living in our truest moment that we have now. So here's so here's the advice I wanna end you guys with. And this is something that I bring up in my coaching sessions. Envision your life like a railroad track. You're standing in front of it and let's just say you're I don't know, you could be in a busy city like Miami or New York, or you could be somewhere, you know, in a rural county somewhere, Wilson, North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte. Anyway, you're standing in front of this train, and as you go to your left, or if you look to your left, the train track goes all the way down as far as your eye can see. And to the left, as you're looking down, is everything that's indicative of your past, where you've come from, the ground you've already covered, Everything that's happened to you is expanding in front of you, in front of your very eyes. Everything is happening to the left. You know, taking the moment to really just envision that for a second and not just all the fluffy, great moments, but take in or the most memorable moments. But think about all the all the painful moments that you had to go through. 
you know, think about all the moments that you got knocked down and you weren't sure exactly how you were going to get back up again. Recall the struggle. Recall the moments of setback. Re- recall all those moments, the arguments, the breakups, the speeding tickets, the late bills. Remember all those problems. Because what I want you to do is as you're remembering all those problems, I also want you to equally remember the grace and strength and resolve that you use as well as faith to eventually overcome those situations when they show up in your life. And chances are a lot of those things that you overcome in the past are very similar to what you're dealing with today. And they're going to require the same amount of faith, grace, resolve, perseverance, integrity even, to overcome and live a life more aligned with where you want to be and where you see yourself, where you envision your life going. So when you look to the right of this railroad track, as far as the eyes can see, Understand that you're in a position now where you can create that landscape however you want. You truly have everything within you already to create whatever experiences that you want when you look to the right. But you're not going to be able to do that if you're standing in the presence of everything that you have from the left. We have to get to a place, ladies and gentlemen, where we process these emotions, we process and uncover some of this trauma that we have in our lives. We really unpack some of the prejudice and some of the perception that we have in the life that we're living. We have to address these things. We have to have courage to step up. And I'm going to help you guys because I'm going through this myself, right? I'm not, I'm not claiming that I have all this figured out. But what I do know is that until we address these things head on, all we're doing is living the same past experiences over and over again. And chances are, majority of the people who are listening to this podcast, that right side of the railroad track as you look to the right is going to look very similar to the left if we don't make a conscious decision to show up for our lives and have courage to meet some of those moments so that we can demand demand more for the life that we envision for ourselves so anyway on that note thank you guys for taking some time out i know i went a little off script a bit but That's the nature of the beast. I'm excited as always, man, to be able to come up here and build with you guys. I know my podcast was a little late this week. I had a lot going on, but I'm but I'm so excited and I look forward to spending spending time with you guys and being able to just kind of get up here and just and just talk candidly um, with my tribe. So as always, man, um, I hope there was some kind of insight or something that might have pulled on or connected with you. and, And hopefully you could use whatever insight or inspiration from this from this show today and allow yourself to breathe more life and more love into your world thank you guys for taking the time out peace and love hey tribe so if you're excited about the breathe life content and you want to find other ways to stay connected the next time you're on instagram or facebook or youtube be sure to type in fahim mujahid or breathe life into the search bar and check out all the mindful things we have going on on your favorite